Hello everyone, I want to welcome you back to the ACM Podcast for part two of our death and resurrection. If you haven't already, make sure you listen to the first part so you are all caught up, and I hope you enjoy. Um, that being said, we are going to continue. Acts 24. Yep. Alex. Read that. Yeah. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. So no matter what, whether you are a believer or unbeliever, you will be resurrected at some point. Mm-hmm. For the judgment. For the judgment. Right. And again, that, that verse was Acts 24, verses 14 through 15. Um, now I'm going to go and continue here. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, uh, I got a section of verses here. The first section is going to be verses 20 through 23, and this is what it reads. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. There are also celestial bodies, and the bodies of terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. It is sown a natural body. It is raised up in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And as we born again in the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, Neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So let me go ahead and clarify what verses those were. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 23, then verse 40, then verse 44, then verse 49, and then verses 50 through 52, just for your reference. Okay, so <clears throat> number one, we're, you're again, as a Christian, right, you're reading and you're understanding that not all of us are going to sleep, meaning not all of us will die, um, but we will all be changed. And it says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, when at the last trump. So the last trumpet has to be sounded before that even occurs. So as Christians, when you're reading your Bible, like, well, you mean the last trumpet? If you don't know where that's at, it's in Revelation. So crack open your Bible, find the last trumpet, and just know this. The resurrection doesn't occur until after the last trumpet. So it's super easy to find. Um, and, you know, we, we have plenty of messages on that, too, between the Mark of the Beast rapture message, um, as well as uh, the new series that's coming out also for us here that is uh, you're being misled because you're unread, and we touch on what happens when you die and things like that. But we talk about the last trumpet. So it's important to understand, uh, once again, that flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So it is your celestial body. This is what we mentioned earlier. Um, but we will all receive a celestial body. That's even those that are are going to go to the lake of fire. A, a fleshly body would never withstand that, correct? Okay. So in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, but I would not have you be ignorant Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, 
That's great, right? Don't be ignorant uh, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we um, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which we are alive shall remain and be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the Lord, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This so has a lot. It, it this does. has a lot in it. First of all, it says, we comfort one another with these words, not, oh, they're up in heaven looking down and, you know, Uncle Bobby and Ricky Susie and everybody's up there having a big party and, you know, it, life is grandiose. No, as we covered many times over there in the grave, they're aware of nothing. But we comfort one another with saying, listen, don't be sorry. At this point, they're just asleep and they're in the dirt. But if they died as a Christian, when th what this is speaking of is the rapture, right? That it's going to happen in that twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet. It's going to be blown. And then at that moment, those which died in Christ, the dead first, not the living first, the dead in Christ rise first. And we, we, we re reiterate this again. And it says right there in verse 16 at the end, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So, we have to wait until that moment, then the dead in Christ, and then the living, and we shall join them up in the clouds with Christ. So there is a difference between Armageddon at the end of Revelation, when Christ comes down to basically level level the playing field, okay? And there's a difference between that and the rapture that happens before that in, in chapter 14 of Revelation, when Christ comes to harvest the Christians from the earth. And then in which the wrath is then, of course, poured out directly thereafter. Um, James, you want to read uh, Revelation 11.18? Yes, sir. Re Revelation 11.18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Okay, so in Revelation 11, by the way, this is where we're getting, this is literally the, the, the last, the chapter of the last trumpet. Um, and it's discussing literally, just like the Bible says about, well, this trumpet has to sound and then, well, then, then you literally get to that part in the Bible where the trumpet, this is the last trumpet going on. And in that moment, it's already discussing, it is time. For the dead, right? That they should be judged. That thou shouldest give reward to thy servants and the prophets. So now we're already getting the reiteration. Hey, guess what? We talked about the trumpet. Oh, here's the trumpet. And it's time. Mm -hmm. So between there and, and chapter 14 is the things that are taking place in just before that rapture occurs. And that's part of the prophecy. And that's, of course, the mark of the beast and things that are in there that as people, as Christians, we will be here for. Yeah, if you just read, you really get to put the whole picture together. It is. And it's great because it's not just one book of the Bible that's doing this. We're, we've read from multiple books of the Bible at this point. And even when we get to Revelation, which really is the end game, um, we're seeing Corinthians and Thessalonians and all this talking about the same things that are coming in Revelation. And then when you read Revelation, you can identify those moments that the other chapters told you to look for. There they are. And there, there's the rapture. So it's not something that's hard to put together. And, and unfortunately, it's not being 
taught properly. Um, and I don't know, I really don't know why. I don't know why, if it's just that difficult for people, um, or they just rather have that warm, fuzzy feeling. But I like to say when it says, wherefore comfort one another with these words, those are the words of comfort, not making some make-believe stuff up from Hollywood. One one thing that I, can maybe make me think that the, maybe someone can get confused with the dead going to heaven right away is the fact that like when you fall asleep, you close your eyes, you don't realize you fell asleep, and then you just wake up, right? Mm-hmm. It's instantaneous. You may have had a dream, but still, that dream was an hour long, but it felt like two seconds. So technically, the dead closed their eyes and woke back up. It, which is which is an instantaneous moment in the eyes of a human. Well, in the instantaneous moment, I guess for the yes, for the eyes of the dead, because like, oh, the and, eyes of the dead. Yes, yeah, sorry. And I get what you're what you're saying. So, if we wanted to be super technical, right, for the dead person, they're in heaven, like right now. Instantly, when they still close living. their <laughs> eyes, the next time they open them, they'll be before God, either being for judged at the throne or they are going to be at the rapture. Right. One of two things in the Bible says those are the one of two things that you're going to awaken to. Now the dead, because you're not aware of anything, like you said, if you're going to get surgery right now and they're going to, you're going to get put under, and then they tell you to start counting back from you know ten, nine, you never remember three, you, two, you one. It's pretty much seven. done, right? <laughs> and and next thing you know, what happens? You wake up, and it's over. Like whoa, what's Somewhere going on? Somewhere totally different in a chair. It totally in a, different. Another waiting room. And and that's different clothes on. You're so like, <laughs> I want to say, if you want to compare it, that's probably the best comparison. Is going is anyone who's been in for a surgery that's been put under. In one minute you're there, and the next minute you're in a different place, and you don't know anything that happened in between. That is the equivalent of what it's like when you die, and then you're going to be standing before the Lord. The last thing you remember is you were driving down the street, and then what? Somebody t-boned you, and you died. You know, you don't remember dying, but you were dead. It'll and be next thing you know, you open your eyes like, how did I get before God? It'll be intense. It'll, it'll be, be. It'll be. I would imagine people will be shaken in their shoes. I mean, fearful. Like, am I on? Now, let me tell you something. People might not think about God much, but in the, in that moment when they're in their celestial shoes, yes, they are going to be fearful of thinking, "Am I in the right place? Am I not? Did I did I do what I needed to do? What is you like at, at all costs at that moment is going to be the most important in their life." Yeah. Um. Every, you got to think about everything that you've done. There's no more time left. No more time. No more time. It's right. It's just go time. That's it. It's it is what it is. Um, but certainly the those who are here on Earth, um, we are the ones that feel the time. Right. We feel the time from when someone died and they died 20 years ago and we remember them and all this. We remember them. They don't remember us while they're in the grave. But when they're resurrected, they will remember us. The memories are there, right? That it's not that it's wiped out; it's stopped. It's on pause. Again, they're they're like going into surgery; they're just put under in that moment. So for us, we get to feel the time, um, but we have to realize they are not with the Lord. Really, they yeah, they get to get to be with the Lord before us, but it's like you know, just very quickly, just before you know. Um, but uh, who wants to read Revelation fourteen? I'll go ahead and take. It. So this is the section of verses that is read. Basically describing the rapture, okay? So let's go and start. Revelation chapter 14, verses 15 through 19. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which 
that had the power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. It's one of my favorite uh, portions of the entire Bible, um, his favorite verses. And uh, largely because I specialize in end times, of course, and rapture. Um, but understanding that this, this is the rapture of the Bible. This is the rapture of the Christians. This is why the sickle is being thrust. And first there's a harvest, right, of the Christian. Then the rest is gathered, right? The vine is gathered and tossed into the wine press of wrath of God. And uh, when you tune into, you know, our messages on the mark of the beast and rapture, we get in super deep in there, but understand that we are not subject to God's wrath. And so when we know that, and there's multiple verses that says that, right, we're not subject to God's wrath. That means when wrath is poured out, which the vials of wrath are being prepared in chapter 15 and chapter 16, they are poured out. So it not only runs perfectly with the Bible when God says we're not subject to his wrath, so Christians would be raptured just before God's wrath is poured out upon the earth. That's, that is so black and white and so easy to see in the Bible. So it's a blessing to know that the Bible doesn't contradict itself with this. Not in one piece, not in one second. Here we are as Christians being harvested literally just before the wrath is dumped out. And then, of course, chapter 15 re. Well, actually, I'm guess I'm jumping the gun. There's there's chapter 15 here also. Um, did you want to read 15 there? Uh, hold on, uh, James. Did you have something to add on? Yeah, to I was that? just going to ask. So, is this a parable being spoke right nope. now? No, this no. is like a literal. This like, is literal. This is literal. This is this is what is is going on now. When we talk about the wine press of wrath, obviously they're not harvesting wine. What they're telling you is is right. he's telling you I'm going to gather the Christians. All right, now it's time to harvest them. I'm taking them. You always take your harvest, but when you're done, you take the rest and it's basically trash, right? And so the Lord is going to then take the what is remaining and they throw it into the wine press of wrath of God. And that remaining will be pressed out with the wrath and poured out, the vial of wrath poured out. So God is making his promise to us. You will not suffer my wrath. So he's going to harvest us and then turn around and boom, the wrath. Now God's wrath. That's when it gets real serious. Oh, yeah. People think it's scary. It's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) I I hate when people confuse God's wrath with tribulation. Yeah, not And I I find this time, countless times, and it's frustrating me because let me tell you something. I can give someone tribulation, but if they're dealing with my wrath, they're going to know the difference hands down, okay? There's no question about the the two, okay? Um, And the same thing goes for God. You don't mistake tribulation for wrath because the Bible tells you, as a matter of fact, I challenge you as a Christian, go ahead and show me where it says you're not going to suffer tribulation. In fact, you will suffer lots of tribulation, including death. It tells you The Bible reiterates a thousand times, and never once did Jesus say, things are going to be warm and fuzzy for you here on earth. No, he said, you're going to be beaten. You're going to be scourged. You're going to be killed because of my name. Be prepared for it. He said, you will all suffer tribulation. Okay, period, as Christians. That being said, we don't want to confuse the tribulation that is happening before the wrath as being belonging to someone else. The tribulation, actually of revelation, is the tribulation for Christians, not the unsaved. The unsaved, as in the days of Noah, will be eating, drinking, and marrying when the second coming comes. Yep. Okay? So they won't even know what's going on. They're going to be going on and da-da-da. And the Bible says what? 
They're going to be talking about peace and this and that. And then immediately following that, death and destruction will fall upon them all. Not, like nothing they've ever seen before. So we have to understand that the wrath of Revelation and the tribulation of Revelation are two different items. Right, Mason? Exactly. 100%. And I've read this a few times, but it's still eye-opening when you reread it or have someone else read it. It's like, oh, like. Dude, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I cannot wait to watch this from the clouds. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's just. It's going to be tremendous. This is this is the day of the Lord that all of your Old Testament patriarchs have been talking about. Like like I said in the book of Job, first time we read it when he's talking about the wrath, he's talking about this wrath here that right. was thousands of years ago that he talked about this. You know, possibly even for what about about four thousand years ago is probably when the book of Job was written, uh, or when Job's exper- life experience had happened it was about four thousand years ago, right after the flood. Um, uh, so it's 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 amazing to see this come to fruition. So, Dad, why don't you go ahead and uh, uh, take us to cha- Revelation chapter 15. I can read this if you want. Okay, go, go ahead. Perfect. Uh, Revelation 15, 1 through 2. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw it as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory... Over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And and for those of you who are pre-tribbers, <clears throat> God willing, you'll you'll figure it out because guess what? You're gonna get it figured out. Whether you just sleep at the wheel the whole time and you get smacked in the face with it, or whether you come to the realization that pre-trib is not something that ever should have been taught. The more people I run into that were teaching that have turned from it. And certainly after they're done talking with me, they're going to turn from it because the, the arguments and, and things that they use and attempt to use for pre-trib, meaning Christians won't have to deal with any of this stuff. And we're just going to float off and we don't deal with it is, is a, is a lie. It's a lie. But what this shows you, as we mentioned before, God says we're what? Because Christians were not subject to his wrath. So we mentioned we'll be gone before his wrath is poured out, which is chapter 16. And in 14, we saw, which is after the last trumpet, as the Bible says, and then the sickle is being thrust and we're being harvested before the rest of the wrath is blown out. And then on top of that, in Revelation 15, as you just read, who is with the Lord? Who is harps of God, right? Who Who is having, they got victory over the beast and over his image. This is the resurrect, not the resurrected, but the raptured, well, and resurrected, right? The Christians that were resurrected and the living Christians that were harvested and are now with the Lord. They got victory over the beast, the see a later beast. And that's why, again, we encourage you to turn into, tune into the Mark of the Beast and Rapture message that we have on our, our video recordings on, on our Vimeo and to our website, because that walks you through that to let you understand what you need to be prepared for. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're not here trying to preach fear, right? It's about being prepared, not scared. That's it at the end of the day. And if you are prepared, those things around you won't affect you quite the same way. Right. You want to be like Noah, folks. Okay. Noah was prepared. God told him what was going to happen. He's like, this is what you need to build, Noah. Everything else that you're going to need, you got to take care of yourself. And guess what? If Noah had the mentality that these Christ- the Christians nowadays have about the end times, we would, would all be dead. They would have drowned. Yep, that's it. They yeah. would have drowned. Like, oh, well, I mean, I know it says it in there, but, you know, I don't know. Just, you know, the Lord's going to get us out, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, I just love the fantasy land you live in, and, and you are warned about this so many times. And, of course, the scriptures read 
very plainly uh, otherwise. So no doubt, um, if you don't have oil in your lamp ahead of time, you're going to be screwed. And that's a good Bible verse right there. The mm -hmm. oil in the lamp one's very good. But it, it, with the preparation, not only do you have to be pre prepared physically, but mentally. Oh, yes. And even and that's really and what— spiritually. And spiritually. <laughs> but the fact that if you're prepared mentally and spiritually, you'll understand that when you are getting attacked, when you are being ridiculed, beaten, whatever it is before tribulation, during tribulation, you're able to turn to Jesus and you're able to turn to God and understand that this just has to happen. And you're going to be able to live through it with peace in your heart, at least, even though it's going to be one of the hardest times of your life. Well, here's what's great, right? Like when people preach about end times and different things and people will get all you know scared. I'm like, I'm not scared, I'm like, but I'm definitely getting prepared. And at the same time, I'm excited, just like much like Mason said, I'm excited because my Bible is the living word. I'm watching prophecy take place before my very eyes. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are also watching prophecy take place before your very eyes. So that stuff is comforting because now this book, you know, somebody wants to call it just a book. This book is alive, brother. Mm -hmm. And it's teaching you and it's showing you, it's warning you. And that's what the importance is. Like, if you want to be ignorant of all of these things, you better be the strongest spiritual person ever, mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, whatever, all the above, and you better be stacked, packed, and ready to get jacked. Because at the end of the day, if you're not, what will you exchange for your soul? That's the question. The Bible talks about that. What will man give in exchange for his soul? All because of the fear of what man and other men will do to you. Will you back out of what God said? Mm -hmm. Will you change? So you think about the mark of the beast. If you get this mark, the Bible talks about damnation. You're like, well, I'll never take the mark. Well, if you have absolutely no way to feed and clothe and food yourself or uh, water or anything else, and you have not prepared, you're going to be sitting there with a starving feeling. And I don't know about you. Have you ever gone grocery shopping and you're hungry? What happens? That cart is way packed with more food than intended. Um, and I'll tell you what. Now, you imagine yourself in end times when you've ignored the scriptures because you just don't want to deal with the reality of it. And now, all of a sudden, it's taking place and it's too late for your preparation in terms of having a place in the wilderness You're to gonna go. You're going to die of starvation over the next three months. Will, and will that starvation, will you be weak-minded enough to give in? Right. As everyone around you, no doubt, will be telling you. Just do it. This isn't, dude, those Christians are crazy. You know, this is not the mark of these. This isn't this. Uh, knowing that damnation is wrath is right around the corner, but yet here you are, your physical body will be trying to overcome your thoughts, literally to fight with that. So it's important to understand it will be the fight of your life if you're not prepared. So what do you do? In faith. People, if you're a Christian, you have to have faith in your word. Not that faith that you're going to change it on your own. You Listen, you won't pray away death. You're not going to pray away uh, prophecy. There's not going to be no revival. Okay? The Bible says, no, there's a great falling away that is happening. And we see this going in our world today. So that being said... Get yourself spiritually right. That's what these these podcasts are for, is to help give you the information so you're not so easily misled on simple things that the Bible is so black and white about. Um, and, and if we recap in, in Revelation 20, uh, as we get to 20, um, who wants to read Revelation 20? I'll go ahead and finish this off here. So last section of verses that we have here. And then this is going to be it for the dead and the resurrection section of this podcast. So Revelation chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and seal and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. 
And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and the judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection." On such the second death hath no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. So, again, folks, this is talking about the resurrection of the uh, of the dead and the rapturing of the dead in Christ, right? So, again, this is plainly stating that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead after the rapture. Okay, so um, to recap... These last few verses that we've gone over is about the resurrection of the dead before the end times. Those who are on the those who are in the ground are staying in the ground until this day. Yep, and as as I mentioned uh, earlier, it talks about this is the first resurrection, and there is a second, so there's only two. Um, and when you read in Revelation, it is the uh, the rest of the dead that were were given up to judgment at the throne, meaning. We're already with Christ. The Bible says once we're resurrected and raptured with him, that we will forever be with him after that moment. Um, and here we are, part of that first resurrection. We are literally observing um, the rest of what's going on, if you will. When Armageddon happens, we're already with him and we're observing what is what is happening. Um, so it's powerful stuff. I would like to touch on one one other verse a little bit, um, just for a moment. And in, in Luke 16, 22, that gets into the Abraham's bosom because this is the only Bible verse that anyone really has when they go, well, aren't we with maybe we're not in heaven, but we're in this other kind of like almost halfway house, <laughs> you know, uh, Abraham's bosom. Okay. Well, first of all, um, That's this is, this is a, this is a, first of all, this is a parable. Okay. It's a parable. So we have to understand parables are to, they're to help us give us feelings. They're not parables of what is actually happening. And this is, by the way, the only verse of Abraham's bosom in the Bible. So again, it's just a parable. Otherwise, it could be reiterated multiple times anytime there is dead. And so when it talks about that the beggar died and was, you know, um, and carried was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, um, the rich man also died and was buried. And he lifted up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of, of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Uh, but Abraham said, um, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Um, and besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that, uh, they, which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us and would come from thence. Um, and let's see here. So as, as it goes on further there, basically, and what you're getting is a picture of number one, if you were in heaven being nagged by every person in hell, you're no longer in heaven. I hate to break it to you, right? You're in hell. It's worse. And then here you are not being tormented. If you had to literally witness the torment continuously, you're once again, you're not in heaven. If you have a heart, 
right? It, it would, even though you know it's a just judgment, you you trust Christ in His judgment, but still, that's not a comforting sort of feeling. Okay, so we're not going to be nagged by that. But it talks about even just a dip of water on His tongue, anything to save me. If I could reach out, you know, it, it's almost giving as if there's a sense of hope too. But as we read in all the Bible verses before this, the dead are at rest and aware of nothing. So this is just really given a picture of. If, if they could, if you will, if, if they could even think for that moment, they wish they could turn it around. Um, it's almost like a living proof. People do that today. At this point, at the last minute, they think they're going to talk their way out of it, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to happen. Uh, and no one is going to be able to help you. And yes, the, the divide from heaven to hell is, is so great. They, they won't be able to help one another. Um, it is a sense of hopelessness when you're in hell. But notice is also it talks about, you know, fire in this piece as well, which we already know Sheol is, is a place of darkness, lake of fire is lake of fire. So it's really just to give people the sense of feeling in the moment that you, when it's too late, it's too late. Abraham's bosom is a great story. When it's too late, it's too late, period. Um, so I just want to be straight with that. So anytime you read in the Bible and someone wants to use one verse to conquer a hundred others, right. just know they're being taken out of context. One is when, especially when we're looking at a hundred verses that are on the reality of an actual uh, event taking place versus one parable in one piece of the Bible that they're going to use and try to undo everything. How about else. you read the couple verses that preceded that one? Um, well, in that one there, if you go to like 19, it, it, it literally says, uh, or verse 16, verse 19, um, and he, you'd have to go way deep in before that because actually the Pharisees uh, were were messing with Jesus more or less, and he was giving this at that time. Uh, he teaches on, on divorce just before that as well, um, and then he goes into uh, this. And really what he's looking at, he's talking about, he says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared uh, sumptuously every day. And then there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate uh, full of sores. So he's really laying the ground um, that here this person laying at the gate full of sores is being desired to be fed with crumbs, right? And yet you have this rich man who has everything. So the parable, you know, aside from, you know, just understanding the despair when it's too late, is this rich man who had a wonderful life. We feel sorry for maybe for the beggar that's down here and he's a broken man and he has nothing. Maybe he's even, you know, paralyzed, but he's receiving crumbs of food. But that doesn't mean when heaven, it's going to be the same way. He may have had a heart for God, a heart for Christ. Obviously, if he's in heaven at the end, he did. And his heart was right and therefore receives the gift of heaven. Whereas the rich man who generally doesn't see God as being a necessity in their lives and lives great here on earth, just understand, don't be jealous of those who have all that stuff. Because number one, you, you got to understand that their heart has to be right because eventually we die, right? We know that's 100%. Here, you know, everyone gets old and you die and when things wear out. Um, life will never be as great as it was at a certain point in life and so on. But then when you're going to go to heaven, the question is, was your heart right with God? Because all the riches in the world will not buy your way into heaven. Um, so, you know, as you read that whole story, you're getting the gist of what's being said. But it is not an actual... There's not an Abraham's bosom sitting out there in some place waiting to go. There is Sheol, that's that, dead and aware of nothing. That is the truth of the scripture. I really hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Affinity Christian Ministries podcast. If you have any other questions on this topic, please feel free to send us an email. 
One last thing before I go is I want to thank everyone that supports this ministry. We couldn't do it without you and your gracious donations. Help us spread the gospel across the world. If God has laid it upon your heart to donate, you can do so at our website or through our mobile app. I once again want to thank you for stopping in today. This is James signing off.